When is Jerry Gergich's birthday? Answer at the end of the episode. I would like to go on record. Speaking as a citizen of Pawnee. Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. My mom's Puerto Rican. That's why I'm so lively and colorful. Says you could have network connectivity problems. Jogging is the worst, Chris. I mean, I know it keeps you healthy, but God, at what cost? Dr. Harris, you are literally the meanest person I've ever met. Dad, Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergich, Gengerich. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. Gobble, 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 gobble. Welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast, where I discuss anything and everything from character breakdowns to episode rewatches, as well as some other trivia and tidbits about the show. My name is Brian, and I will be your host. <clears throat> if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you very much. This is episode number 41, being recorded Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021, and today... I will be discussing my top 10 favorite one-off guest stars. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, basically just cameos, but uh, these can only be characters that were in one episode, no more than one episode. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensupawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Podcast, as well as my other page at Memes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard wherever you find your podcast now. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, share as well while you're at it. So let's uh, let's get into a little bit of filler if this is your first episode. Filler is exactly what it sounds like. It's just uh, some padding to make my show a little bit longer. And it's just uh, a little section where I can talk about whatever the hell I want that isn't really Parks and Rec related, but I'll make it fast, I promise. So uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is uh, Parks and Rec related. Um, <laughs> no, this is actually, this is uh, my, my buddy Sasha, who um, had me on his podcast last week, the, the Flips and Bumps podcast. He sent me a text earlier today that I thought was kind of interesting. And he was like, hey, did you know in uh, season one, episode six of Parks and Recreation, there's a bad religion poster on the wall at the bar. And I, I don't think I ever noticed that, but Bad Religion is uh, one of my favorite punk bands. So, I don't know. I thought that was worth mentioning because it is Parks and Rec related. And, um, yeah, so then I, I was I texted him back and was like, you know, that might be one of the only, like, punk references on the show. But then I thought, and it's like, no, there's actually a couple. When I say punk, I mean, like, you know, punk music. Because they do talk about some 41. And all these bands I'm going to mention uh, are different <laughs> variations of punk, if you will. But uh, some 41 is mentioned. Uh, I guess you could maybe throw Avril Lavigne in there. She's played Warp Tour. Um, uh, uh, Hus Husker Du. Remember Ben's uh, when him and Tom uh, are the DJs at the the prom, and Ben's like, "Oh, how am I going to keep all my Husker Du albums in near mint condition?" <laughs> Husker Husker Du is like an older punk band from minnesota so it makes sense that band likes them and then um yeah and then sasha also pointed out that there's a poster on the wall from a band called devachka who i've never heard of but they're um they're kind of he said they're uh like indie almost like gypsy punk he said they're really weird but anyway um yeah i got tons of content today that's why i'm bringing this stuff up 
Um, my uh, daughter Natalie turned seven a few days ago. Um, and um, yeah, I just wanted to say happy birthday to her, Natalie. I love you. You're never gonna listen to the show, but um, love you, babe. What else we got? Um, oh, <clears throat> so check this out, guys. I was thinking about this. I've had a lot of time to think about stuff because what else? Um, but anyway, so I since I got this new puppy, you know, Lucy. And I just have nothing else to talk about my filler segment. Usually, I've got a new segment for you when I talk about Lucy. And it is called, you ready? You ready for this? Barks and Recreation. Anyway, um, so yeah, Lucy is uh, growing about an inch a day, it seems. She's huge. She's really not huge. She's still a puppy, obviously. I mean, like if you saw her on the street, you'd still be like, oh, what a cute little puppy. But in the two two weeks we've had her, I, I'm going to say she's probably, I don't know how you measure um, or how you like talk about like a dog. If it's like, oh, did she grow when you measure them? Do you measure them by height, like when they're on all fours or do you measure them like tail to nose? So either way, but let's just say like tail to nose, because that's how I keep seeing her stretched out. I feel like she's grown like an inch and a half, like, like longer. So it's crazy. She's definitely getting a little, little chonkier too, but, um, she's well fed and, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, very excited to see about where this goes because right now she is driving all of us nuts, but we love her so much. But, um, and this goes without saying, you know, anyone who's ever had a dog or a puppy in their life knows that you cannot leave anything anything on the floor that isn't like one of their toys or anything that you just do not give a shit about getting destroyed because shoes, uh, pieces of paper, leaves, 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 leaves. But, uh, yeah, they, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's insane to me. Like every time I turn around, she's got something else in her mouth and it's like, you can just hear like, uh, Oh, it's driving me nuts. And then I'm, uh, I'm like freaking out because I'm looking, you know, I'm Googling stuff. And it says that because we, we have a, a bunch of wood chips in our yard, you know, just in random spots for, um, you know, flowers and, and whatnot. But uh, she is constantly running over and trying to eat wood chips. And then I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up and they're like, no, actually, you probably shouldn't let them eat those because, well, one, they're they're treated, you know, like a lot. Of, if they're not natural wood chips, they're usually a different color. So they had to have been painted or colored. Um, that's not as big a deal because I guess a lot of the chemicals, whatever was on there will just wear off after all the, you know, just being weathered, but you have to worry about, you know, little pieces, splinters, whatnot, breaking off and just getting stuck in their mouth. So just in case you didn't know that, keep your dogs away from the wood chips. Um, what else we got here? Oh, so let's talk about the Mindy project real quick. I'm going to take a break for the Mindy with the Mindy project. That was a new one I was watching. I like the show a lot. I really do. But I'm just not feeling it like I was the other ones. I've actually already started going back and watching season six of Community. You guessed it. I'm not going to talk about Community, though. What I do want to talk about is a show that I brought up last week, and that's The, the Handmaid's Tale, which is on uh, Hulu, starring Elizabeth Moss. Sorry, last week I know I said Kate Moss. Big difference. <laughs> so... This show is fantastic. I did say last week that I was kind of liking it, but it's really slow and there's a lot of slow motion and stuff like that. That is all true. But this show is is fantastic. I mean, Elizabeth Moss is so good in her role of basically, you know, like just uh, 
again, I, I used the word slave last week. I don't, I didn't mean to be insensitive. I don't know if anyone, um, or the comparison, but I mean, it kind of is because these women are, they're beaten, they're tortured, they're, they're forced into labor camps, you know, and they're, they, they're the, even the ones that they use for specifically for breeding. And I mean, it's, it's, it's horrifying. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, well, I might give away a couple spoilers They're on season four now I'm on season two. So um, if you're interested, uh, well, you know what though, even if I give away spoilers, by the time anyone gets around to watching the show, you might've forgotten them by now or by then, but it's just, yeah, it's a really bleak, the, the show there for every, let's say for every one good thing that happens on the show, like a, a moment where you smile or where you feel like happy, there is at least 10 awful things that happen. And I mean like awful things. I mean, the, the show is just they because it, it again it takes place in the future i don't know how far in the future but not that far in the future because there's still so many things that are relevant to now so that that makes it even creepier but yeah there's like a religious group kind of took over the government and they made it where all the women are they're they're like they're not even like second class citizens they're like eighth ninth tenth class citizen and the thing about this show that like i kind of realized with like this kind of a new system where they've divided everyone. They don't, they don't focus on racism in this show. So that's kind of nice, actually, that you don't see that in this future, at least. Uh, yeah, it's kind of nice that everyone's just decided that the women all suck. I love women. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but anyway, the, um, yeah. So the, the, the women on the show, the ones that are able to have children because like it take whatever happened in the future, the the pregnancy rate has dropped by like 61% or something like that, maybe even more. But any women who are fertile enough to have kids are just kind of, these are the ones they're called handmaids. They are a servant to a family. And once a month they are for lack of better word, raped by their uh, house commander, which is the man. And it's it's purely like a, a a weird, creepy sexual thing where the wife actually the wife of the commander and these is because this is the wife, but they can't have kids themselves. They like hold the arms of the handmaiden while she is basically it, you just think of like dogs breeding like it's really it's a really, really creepy like the first time you see it, you get kind of like used to it after a bit. But um, yeah, the handmaid's tail. I know I'm pr I'm probably not painting a great picture, but this is a really really good show, and I'm just I'm waiting for uh, you get you do you get redemption every once in a while, but again I mean for the most part the show is just it's very bleak, and it's got a, a, a not not like a super recognizable cast, but again Elizabeth Moss I I saw her in the the Invisible Man a couple years ago that was excellent if um your horror movies uh anyone who's interested the the Invisible Man if you didn't see that if you weren't sure if uh you know if you were gonna like it or not but I wasn't that interested but I watched it anyway and I thought it was great and then uh Ivan Strahovski I believe that's how you say her name she was uh she was in Chuck um she's been in a lot of stuff too she actually she has a villainous role in this, but she's a very um, sympathetic character and you can kind of see why. And then there's there's a, f a few other actors that, that have, you know, like uh, more so people that you'll see and you've been like, oh, I know them. I know them. I, I know this person. But anyway, I definitely recommend The Handmaid's Tale. 
However, I'm not going to tell you. It's just like, you got to watch it because it's a depressing show. Like I, I've tried talking to my wife about it and she's like, I don't want to hear it, <laughs> you know, because like, I'm always like, Hey babe, uh, let me tell you about the new walking dead. Depressing. Uh, can I, can we talk about breaking bad? Depressing. <laughs> you know? So it's like when, when she knows about these shows that I've told her are very depressing, she's like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Tell me about parks and rec instead, which I also don't want to hear about. Pretty sure we've had that exact conversation um happy one day early thanksgiving everyone this episode will be airing uh what uh, the 25th 24th 20 yeah the 24th november 24th and uh thanksgiving this year is november 25th so happy turkey day to everyone hope you get to see your families uh i don't know what's going on with my family actually we got to see them over the weekend for like i said for my daughter's birthday but I don't know what's going on for actual Thanksgiving. I'm, I want to watch football and eat and sleep and drink a lot of coffee. So that makes no sense when I say I want to sleep and then I say I want to drink coffee. So you know what I mean? Anywho, so let's move on to this week's topic. All right. So like I said in the intro, I am going to give, and I, and I did say earlier, my top 10 favorite I don't know if I'm going to say my top 10, my, why do I keep a, like my top 10? So this is more, I, I went through and I just went on IMDb actually. And just, it's a really simple way. I mean, like I could think of a lot of them offhand, but not all of them. You just go all the way down until you start getting into characters where it says one episode, like they were only in one episode and you can just start going down and you start coming across so many obscure characters that you might've even forgotten about. Like Bill Murray, for instance, who's only in one episode and he's dead when we find him, who I will get to. But, you know, these are the characters that I would never talk about on this show because I don't have enough, you know, I don't have enough material on them to, you know, for instance, uh, number 10, Chris Bosch. Okay. So Chris Bosch is in season six, episode three, the Pawnee Eagleton tip-off classic. If you're unfamiliar with who Chris Bosch is, he was a professional NBA player. He started off his career, I think, with Toronto, the Toronto Raptors. And then he was, mm, it was a smart decision for him, but he came, he became kind of infamous during the whole um, LeBron James, the whole, um, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach, because that's when LeBron James became a free agent from Cleveland and Dwayne Wade was down in Miami, who Dwayne Wade, we actually do get a reference of, Later on uh, in the episode, uh, Doppelgangers, when April says that <clears throat> she tells Tinnifer that where to go for her house and then doesn't tell her that it's actually Dwayne Wade's house. And she hopes that Dwayne Wade throws a basketball at her head. But anyway, back to Chris Bosh. So, yes, he he was part of that trio, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, who stayed in Miami and they won. Um, I think they won three two. They won at least two championships down there. They were an amazing team. They had Ray Allen too. And I, and I love basketball, but that's just one of the things I hate so much about it is that just the, the buddy mentality, you know, I'm not going to try to sound like an old timer, but the older guys, you know, like Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson, these guys didn't want to win with each other. They wanted to beat each other, you know? So that's why the NBA now, and I, and I, and I mean, I can't, I don't want to be hypocritical because the, the bulls are awesome this year and they've got, kind of a loaded team like that. You know, I think they have four potential all-stars, but anyway, 
back to Chris Bosch. He is a basketball player and uh, you will recognize him from, like I said, that, that episode, the Pawnee Eagleton tip-off classic, where every year Pawnee and Eagleton have a basketball game uh, with their local high schools. And <laughs> this year, I believe Leslie said Eagle, Eagleton, or uh, if Eagleton wins, you know, Pawnee will give them a, a basket of apples. But if if Pawnee wins, Eagleton is going to give them a basket of actual crystals, <laughs> like orange, like, you know, shaped like oranges, but like actual like Swarovski crystals or something like that. So I think she says it's valued at, I don't remember, but it's something ridiculous, you know? So that's just how Eagleton is though. Um, yeah. So the, the funny thing about this scene is that uh, Leslie is actually sitting there with Ben and she's trying to like, you know, this is after she, she says that Ben's, Ben's like kind of tr- uh, being a traitor because he's trying to help out um, Eagleton. So this scene here is Leslie and Ben sitting down and you'll hear she is talking about the character of Chris Bosch, which I'll get right back to. He's not playing himself, but he kind of is. So this is her talking and then him dunking. And then you hear him talk at the end. Why? They wouldn't help us if the tables were turned. I mean, they're 50 points ahead, and they're still dunking. I mean, look at this guy. There's no way he is in high school. And I'm better at French horn, too, Eric. I love that one, obviously, because of the French horn comment. And, yeah, he is literally two to three feet taller than every single kid there. Actually, I want to go, I, I got to go back and look at the rest of the Eagleton team to see if there's any other um, ringers. So yeah, that's the funny thing, but it's kind of, it's kind of weird though, actually, because if, if this Chris Bosch knows the kid he's playing against, cause he calls him Eric, maybe he actually is an, an Eagleton student. Who knows? Uh, that would actually be a lot funnier. So, um, yeah, and he is also one of the four NBA cameos throughout the tenure of Parks and Recreation, and that includes, of course, Roy Hibbert and Detlef Schremp, who go on to work for uh, Entertainment 720, and they're kind of recurring with Tom mostly. And then we also see the uncredited Miles Plumley, who was the guy that was st- in the episode two parties when they're out to dinner. And Roy Hibbert comes up and says that he's going to pay for their dinner. There's a guy, another very tall gentleman standing next to him. His name is Miles Plumley. He is also a basketball player. He was one of Roy Hibbert's teammates uh, on the Pacers. I know, I don't remember if Miles was that good. I do remember his name. So I know he was like decent at least. He has a brother named Mason. I don't know if they're twins. I don't remember. But anyway, so yeah. Um, and, and actually, I should say this too right after I already started the list. This is no particular order. Maybe some of them, like towards the front, are are more biased, you know, like towards number one. But anyway, so number 10. Uh, and, and again, these, I, I, I don't want to say my favorites, but at the same time, I am going to kind of say my favorites. So I love that Chris Bosch one. So number nine, J.K. Simmons, who played Mayor Stice. And he was in season five, episode 17, Partridge. So J.K. Simmons, everybody knows him from everything. He's just, he's an amazing, very, very strong, very intimidating actor. The first time I saw him was in the show Oz, which was a show about an all-male prison. And it was on HBO and it was like during the 90s. So uh, there was a lot of male nudity and um, other things I probably don't, 
shouldn't be admitting as I'm telling you how much I thought the show was great. <laughs> but anyway, uh, no. So I did watch the show and he was the leader of the Aryan Brotherhood on that show. So he was very, very just like shitty and mean and awful and just did terrible things to pretty much everyone. And he had all the, you know, the swastika tattoos and everything. So they really, you know, and he was actually very beefed up in that role. I mean, he was a big dude at that time. And I don't mean necessarily like muscle bound, but he was just kind of thicker, like a little bit heavier. So I think as he's aged, he's, he's kind of, uh, you know, he's thinned out a little bit more, but anyway, he invites Ben Wyatt back to Partridge, Minnesota, because he wants to give him a key to the city. And as you'll recall, Ben Wyatt bankrupted this city when he tried making Ice Town, which was the winter sports complex that failed miserably. So he has made it clear many times that he still Ben can never get over this. So you know that he's probably terrified going back home to Partridge, Minnesota. However, he's being told that he's given a key to the city, which when you find out what happens, which is they they totally screw Ben over and it was all a prank. I don't know why he thought he'd be getting a key to the city unless it, I believe there's a reason why they tell him so that he would fall for it. But you got to think, actually, I don't know, maybe Ben wouldn't be smart enough not to fall for it. Because if you remember, I forgot the episode, but he did get called into Tom's office when Tom texted him and said that Michael Stipe was there. Michael Stipe being the lead singer of R.E.M. So, yeah, you remember he walks in. He's like, so Michael Stipe's not here. He's like, no. Tom says no. And then he gives Andy the bag of Skittles. He's like, oh, how come he got his thing? Um, so anyway, the whole reason uh, for him inviting him out, though, like I said, was to embarrass him. And what happens while they are out there? Ben mysteriously gets a kidney stone. So he drops to the ground when he's in, and we meet Ben's sister here as well. Her name's Stephanie Wyatt. We meet her for the first, first and only time in this episode. But so Ben drops to his knees and he's just like, oh my God, I, I think I'm giving birth. So when Leslie goes and talks to Mayor Stice, at first they think it's like, oh, how convenient. Like they think that Ben Wyatt's like he wimped out of it. And Leslie shows him footage of him in the hospital. She's like, no, look, I mean, like literally. And this is one of the greatest scenes with Ben when he's drugged up on like the morphine, how he talks to Leslie. It is just so incredible. I'm not going to get into that. But yeah, so uh, yeah, so obviously Mayor Stice is very pissed off and he's like, OK, well, I guess you can, you know, he, he tells Leslie she can accept the word for him, the award. So she goes up on stage, she gives like a quick little speech, and then there's a little box that they gave him, a nice wooden box with a latch on it. So she opens it up and just water pours out of it. And everyone starts laughing, you know, and she's like, okay, but there's an imprint of a key. So obviously it was an ice key and it melted, which was actually really clever and really funny. But, you know, of course, Leslie's pissed off and she's just like, you know what, Ben's he's better than all of you. And then the fans start kind of, the fans, sorry, the townspeople. It seems like they're just as dumb in uh, Partridge, Minnesota, as they are in Pawnee because they start yelling back about all the famous people from Partridge after Leslie says that the town sucks. And they're like, Judy Garland lived here. She's like, oh, my God, Judy, Judy Garland lived here. She's like, well, well, no, but she came through here once, you know, so it, it's, it was nice with the parallels there from the two towns that. Ben and Leslie are from that they might be equally as stupid. Um, okay, so then, yeah, so obviously Ben doesn't go to this um, ceremony, so he's not embarrassed. However, when he comes to at the end, Leslie tells him what happened. She's like, oh, you know what? Don't worry about it. Let's not talk about it. So then he knew from her context clues. He's like, they, it was a prank, wasn't it? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So they go to uh, Mayor Stice's office and Leslie wants, to, she brings Ben with kind of to like explain what happened. And Ben's still a little, uh, he's still a little under the, the medicine there. So he's still being freaky and weird. And uh, Mayor Stice actually invite, uh, admits to Leslie that he's been getting like, a, he's he's had a lot of bad press lately. So he thought bringing Wyatt in and just bashing him would be easy, you know, good, easy publicity for him. So Obviously, they are still bitter towards Ben, but this isn't like something that's they've that's been harboring. Like, oh my God, Ben White has destroyed our lives again. Like he said, he's like, well, you know, I just figured bringing Ben White back with it would probably get everyone like this the fire stoked again, and everyone would remember how much they hate him. But uh, yeah, so number eight, Jonathan Banks, who plays Steve Wyatt. Speaking of Ben Wyatt. Steve Wyatt is Ben Wyatt's single, oh, I'm sorry, not single, divorced father from his mother, Julia. And uh, Steve is actually, he when he shows up in the episode, uh, season five, episode six, Ben's parents, he shows up with his new girlfriend played by, and I am so sorry, I do not know how to pronounce her name, but I'm going to say Kulap, Kulap Valesak. That's the closest I can come. I apologize if I... Uh, because I know you're listening, Miss um, Valesak. But anyway, she is, uh, she's Ben's dad's much younger girlfriend. I mean, like we're talking like at least 20, 20 to 30 years younger. And we find out that she is pregnant with Ben's future uh, stepbrother, which I actually brought him up last week in uh, the kind of dropped, uh, the, or like, like Parks and Rec Mysteries, I believe I, I coined it. But yeah, things that uh, we never really got to find out about. And one of them was Ben's stepbrother, which again, though, I forgot about that. Literally, I forgot about that. Probably the, when the next episode started, it was like, oh, Ben's got a stepbrother. You know, so I, I didn't think it was was that significant. But anyway, Jonathan Banks is Ben's very grouchy father. And he plays this uh, similar character on Community, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, pretty much the shows that I've talked about that I've seen him in. He is, yeah, he's just a very old curmudgeon kind of, but he's very clever and um, yeah, he's just a, a, a really, really funny character for for someone who you don't expect to get that kind of performance. Like in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, it's more sarcasm. But on this episode of Parks, I mean, he's just like a hilarious like jerk. And then on Community, I mean, he, you get to see his his comedic chops, which I didn't expect him to have when I when I saw him on Community. It was just like, oh my god, Mike Ehrman Trout—that's his name from Breaking Bad—and he's he's like a hitman on that show, basically. So it's weird seeing him in a comedic role after he brutally murders a lot of people in Breaking Bad and even Better Call Saul. But uh, yeah, he is—you um, know, like I said, him and him and Ben's mom are divorced, and they do not like each other at all. As you hear Ben say, he's like, you know. My parents have been divorced for 30 years and they're still not, or he's like, my parents got divorced when I was 12. And then 10 years later, they are still happily divorced. <laughs> and uh, another one of his, uh, his amazing lines is when, cause Leslie says to Ben earlier in the episode, she's setting up for the, the party. And this is where they're uh, meeting for the, the engagement party. And Leslie has red vines set up around the house red vines being like the licorice and ben says he's like no 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 he's like my dad's gonna hate that we're a twizzlers family 
So sure enough, later when Leslie presents them to him, she she puts a little cup in front. She's like, would you like some Twizzlers? And he just, or some, she's like, would you like some Red Vines? And he just slowly and shitty, shittily, whatever, says to her, he's like, we're a Twizzlers family. (laughs) And it's just, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so good because it's such like, it sounds like such a kind of dumb line, but it's, yeah, just, uh, we're a Twizzlers family. Number seven is going to go to Will Arnett, who plays Chris in season two, episode 13, The Setup. If you will remember, Chris, we don't know his last name. He is one of Ann Perkins's co-workers, and she basically, she sets him up on a blind date with Leslie because her, her other friend, Justin, at this point, who Leslie goes on to date after this, but... He's introduced as uh, Anne's lawyer friend, and you find out that Anne still kind of... She doesn't have a crush on him, but as Mark Brandanowicz says, she's saving him because she doesn't want to set him up with Leslie just in case something does happen there. She always wants to keep him on, like, the back burner in case she ever... You know, it's one of those, like, oh, you know, if I'm 40 years old and I'm still not married, or, hey, if, if we're both 40 and we're not married, so... I really think that's, yeah, because Mark figures that out by the way she treats him, um, Justin, and the fact that him and Leslie seem to be hitting it off right away, but Anne doesn't put, hook them up on a blind date. Instead, she hooks him up with uh, this guy named Chris, who is an MRI technician at the hospital that Anne works at. And so they go out on a blind date. And this is funny, too, because uh, Will Arnett and Amy Poehler were married at the time. Uh, actually, I'm not positive if they were married yet. I know they met or they, maybe they met on the set of Parks and Rec. I should have looked this up. Either way, they got married at some point. So they were very close, um, which made it even funnier how awkward this whole date was. But, um, so yeah, when Leslie meets him at the restaurant, it starts off great. You know, he said, he seems like a good guy, a gentleman, and then he just gets a little weirder as it goes on. Like, he, he tries to do a cool trick with a, a match and burns his fingers. And then like he, he puts his fingers in Leslie's water, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, he's just, he's so weird. And then he talks about that. He went to Wisconsin and he's a badger and Leslie's like, Oh, but boo, Notre Dame. And he's like, no, you know, like he, she's just joking around. And then he just kind of like snaps on her. Like, no, Wisconsin. She's like, oh, okay, whatever. So anyway, it's just like a really, really awkward, but hilarious dinner date. And he's trying to like tell her, you know, like, oh, it's just amazing what stuff's made up of. I'm trying to do my Will Will Arnett voice, but not really. But he's like, yeah, look at like this bread, you know, like, I mean, like, how do we know what this bread is even made of? And Leslie's like, well, it's bread. And, you know, like, and she, she like kind of kills his whole, like, he's trying to sound smart, like, and, you know, like, oh, is, is anything, everything's matter and no, 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 no. And she just rips the bread open. She's like, look, it's, it's more bread. That that's what's inside of the bread. It's more bread, you know? So anyway, um, Will Arnett though, he, or I should say, I guess it's weird. Cause I don't have a last name for this Chris character, but Chris though, he does make one of the he makes a prediction actually that a lot of parks and most, most, most like hardcore parks and rec fans are familiar with. And I'm going to describe it first, then I'll play it for you. Actually, you know what? I'll just play this first part here. You never had any kids, right? Leslie? No. You've got a great oven. Okay. Time to go. You've got ample room in there. Honestly, if you wanted to, 
you could go triplets right off the bat, Leslie. You got a big industrial-sized oven. So the thing there, and if you're confused about why they would be talking about this, it's because while on or during their first date, after you know, she, and Leslie knows he's an MRI technician, but he's like, "You want to do one? You want to do one for free?" So he brings her to the office or to back to the hospital and gives her an MRI, which he ends up charging her for at the end because yeah, he's just like a scumbag character. But anyway, so in that clip I just played for you, that is him. And he's clearly she's in the MRI machine and he's looking at her, um, her scans. And that's when he says to her, you could have triplets off the first bet right off the, you know, like first try. Sure enough, her and Ben, right. The first time, remember when she's pregnant at the end of season six, she goes in to see Dr. Saperstein and he says right away, he's like, well, or he doesn't say right away. He finds there are three of them. So they have triplets. And, and as that guy, Chris said, right off the bat, it's not the first time they slept together that these, these three children were created. However, these are her first kids. So yes, right off the bat, her first three kids were triplets. So I remember the first time I noticed that it completely blew my mind. And then like when I kind of took it to the internet, I know a lot of people also thought it was great, but then I kind of realized that there were a lot of people who had also discovered this. Because it was really, really, I'm I'm 99.9% sure they did not have that in mind. Because this was season two when they had that thing with Will Arnett where he just, yeah, what he just said to Leslie about how, you know, having the triplets. And then it's the end of season six when they do that with Ben. So Adam Scott or Ben, Ben Wyatt's character, Adam Scott, he wasn't even on the show yet. So, I mean, like if they did have that planned out, that is some incredible writing. It's incredible writing either way that they brought it back. But yeah, I just, I, I love that. And that's one of my, one of my favorite moments in the show. Uh, number six. And this one, this is more just because I love this actor so much because his cameo was pretty shocking. And that's Bill Murray playing former Mayor Walter Gunderson. Season seven, episode 11, Two Funerals. That is, um, yeah, that's, that's again, and I was about to say that's the only time we see him, but that's how it is for this whole list. However, this is the only character that the first time we meet him, he's dead. <laughs> now, we do get, um, he has a video that he recorded that he's going to play back during his funeral. However, when we first meet Mayor Gunderson, we're like, holy shit, it's Bill Murray. We had no idea. This, this is, again, the, um, I'm sorry, Mayor Gunderson is mentioned a handful of times throughout the series before we actually see him. And um, more notably, we know about his dog, Rufus, who's been getting into fights with the possums on the golf course. And Rufus is, um, yeah, it's they, we, the, the first time they bring Rufus up, which is the, the Christmas scandal episode, when Leslie makes a joke about yeah, Mayor Gunderson's dog, Rufus, and like the whole place, like, bursts in laughter so it's just it's another little sebastian kind of thing or like ted you know like these these characters and things that we know about but we never see so it was really cool actually that they showed us mayor gunderson however he was dead so you just got to see bill murray in the casket and uh so he was the mayor for 39 years uh mayor mayor of pawnee for 39 years and he <laughs> you find this out in the video message that he sent that he had an open marriage with his wife and Ethel Beavers uh, was one of his honeys, I guess. Or maybe it was just a three-way open marriage. I don't remember. That's all 
she's the only person that is named. So that might just be it. But I know that, yeah, we do find out that Mayor Gunderson and Ethel Beavers were boning on the side. However, you know, with his wife's consent, and she actually, when she talks about that, she's like, oh, you know, like we spent so many years with him exploring every nook and cranny on my body. And the whole crowd is like, oh, like they all groan. And she's like, oh, shut up, you prudes. But she points, you know, she she says to to um, Mayor Gunderson's wife and she, or she's like, hi, I can't remember her name. And she says hi. And she says hello back. So they're very cordial and like they're cool. They've probably gotten it on at some point. I don't know. Uh, I would think so. Um, but yeah, I just I think actually this is one of the probably like the biggest names they got on the show. And I, 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 I was reading somewhere that earlier on, like years before this happened, Amy Poehler was on, um, she was on a talk show. It might've been Jimmy Fallon. I'm not sure though. So don't quote that, but she did say like, Oh, I'd, I'd love to have Bill Murray on the show. I'd even pay him. I'd pay him uh, 250 bucks out of my own pocket or something like that. She said she'd pay him 250 bucks. Later on, this went into fruition. I don't know if she actually paid him 250 bucks, but the fact that they got Bill Murray, I mean, like, that, that, that just blew my mind. Because like everyone else, had no idea the episode was going. You weren't really thinking anything of it. All we knew is that Mayor Gunderson died because this was the second to last episode of the entire series, which seeing Mayor Gunderson for me was more just like, oh, okay, that'd be cool if they show him. But I mean, it wasn't like Wilson in Home Improvement where when the show ended and you really, they never showed his face. You were like, son of a bitch, like pissed off. So when they did show Mayor Gunderson, it was more just like, Oh, awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah. So him just being like the, the, the sheer star power right there, not saying that any of these other people I'm naming off, because again, these are all celebrities and professional athletes who are very well established. So let's move on to number five. June Diane Raphael, who plays Tennifer in season six, episode four, Doppelgangers. So she, this is a, I feel like this is one of the, one of the characters that stands out a lot more. One, because she's a woman and truth be told, most of my list, I mean, I believe she's the only woman on the list and that's not, be, that's not me being like, oh, the women aren't funny. There's just a lot more male celebrities on this show. So I don't know if it was because of the time or because it just made more sense, but Either way, um, I love June Diane Raphael. I, I remember like the first time I saw her, which was on New Girl as Sadie, who was um, Jess's gynecologist, I believe. Or not not her gynecologist, but like her friend who's a gynecologist. Maybe she has checked her out. I don't know. But anyway, that was the first time I saw her. And she has, she has like a, a, a distinct look because she kind of has like a little bit of a gap. In, in between her two front teeth. It's nothing like bad. I mean, like, but, but it's there. And um, yeah, so she was, I remember like recognizing her. And then even when I saw her on Parks and Rec, it was like, oh, there's, there's, what, what the hell is her name? And then I figured out what her actual full name was when I started listening to her podcast, which I have mentioned on the show, but it's been a while. How did this get made? Check it out if you're a, if you're a fan of I mean if you're a big movie buff and you like getting into and like breaking down terrible movies because that's what they do on this show. Not all terrible movies because admittedly some of the movies they've you know talked about on the show like I've or on the podcast I'm a huge fan of like movies like Rad 
and Solar Babies, you know, like these 80s movies. And you can tell that they like some of these movies too, but it's still like, they're just, they're kind of dumb movies and they have like, you know, I don't know. But anyway, she hosts that show with her husband, Paul Scher. And we're talking about June Diane Raphael still, not Tennifer, just the, the actress. She hosts that show with her husband, Paul Scher, who is also in Parks and Rec. He plays Keith Slurtner. Most of you will not remember who that is. That is the Kaboom guy from season two. He's only in one episode. And Paul Shear is a has a very, very recognizable face. He's he's bald. He's in a lot of comedy, uh, comedic television. He also has a gap in his teeth, um, right in the right in the front there. And he was in like the league. And the good place he was in towards the end, he was part of the the people in well in the actual good place. He was on like their their board of board members, whatever. But she hosts the show with him, and then also with Jason Manzukis, who is Dennis Feinstein. So all three of them from that show have been on Parks and Rec, and I love that. But yeah, uh, so again, that show is called How Did This Get Made, and um, check it out if you're uh, interested. But anyway. I love uh, this character because the doppelgangers episode was actually one of my favorites from season six. If you go on the uh, at parks rec memes, my Instagram page, you'll see there's a lot of uh, scenes because that's what I do on the meme page. It's actually it's called parks rec memes, but it should be called parks rec scenes. And I do scenes from the show, but there are a lot from that episode of doppelgangers because we did have the introduction of Craig. And we had an awesome performance by Sam Elliott. And then again, by June Diane Raphael. And it was just, it was a really funny episode, but so she's kind of like a bimbo, but she is like April's equivalent in <laughs> that sounds bad because April's not a bimbo, but I mean, job wise. And that's why these people are brought in because this is when Pawnee absorbs Eagleton. They bring the Eagleton people over from their city hall. And it's like, okay, well, let's see who's worth keeping. Or maybe this person's better than our our version, whatever. So actually, I just love that the episode's called Doppelgangers. I thought that was really, really clever because it is. It's like their Pawnee versions. So um, she, yeah, she's clearly like just kind of like an airhead. She takes tons of pills. Her husband's in prison. <laughs> um, she's she's just like she's really into her spin classes and her yoga instructors and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, there's a part where she actually stops April talking and she's like, oh, it's Xanax o'clock and just pulls out a little zipper bag and just takes a Xanax, apparently. And you find out that, you know, April, which I love because she just adapts immediately. She starts talking in the Valley Girl uh, voice, like the kind of ditzy airhead voice that Tinnifer has. And if you're confused by the name Tinnifer, yes, her name used to be Jennifer and she rebranded herself as Tinnifer for some reason. And there it is T-Y-N-N-Y-F-E-R, Tinnifer. So uh, what else? Um, yeah, I, I do. She has a really, really good line where Leslie asks her, she's like, so Tennifer, are you, uh, do, do you have any kids? Are you interested in having children? And she just says, oh no, I've had so much rejuvenation done down there. I don't think there's any way a baby could get out alive. And the, just the way that Leslie reacts, <laughs> it's, it's so good. And again, I just, I, I love June Diane Raphael and this character of Tennifer is one of my favorite, you know, uh, female <clears throat> uh, cameos if you will. So moving on to number four, Questlove, 
who plays Lavandrius Meagle, season seven, episode seven, Donna and Joe. Again, another one. And I, and I should have said it beforehand with these. It's not necessarily because some of these characters get full, <clears throat> excuse me, full episodes. And some of them, like this one, Lavandrius, get literally one scene. So in this one, or, or, I'm sorry, that's that's what kind of like some of this, which led to my favorite cameos or my favorite one-off guest appearances because some of them are shocking. Like the Bill Murray one, shocking. This one, not shocking. Like, oh my God. But I mean, it was still like, oh, hey, nice. And this is at Donna and Joe's wedding. Donna Meagle, of course. And then Joe, uh, I don't know if we find his last name, but played by uh, Keegan-Michael Key. They, uh, during their wedding, and we do hear an earlier mention in, I don't even remember what episode it is, but Donna at one point mentions her brother, Lavandrius. It might be the one where they go to her, uh, her lake house for Jerry's birthday. But anyway, so he's mentioned in an earlier, in an early episode, but does not appear until, like I said, season seven, episode seven. And in this episode, Donna's getting married and they're having the the bridal shower, the reception, all this stuff, the the rehearsal dinner. And April's job as uh, maid of honor is to make sure that there's no drama. So <laughs> when this is going on, you, and there's the cutaway scene, one of the funniest scenes in the show, if you ask me, of April scolding Donna's family. And that, you know, that's how you find out that there's nothing bad going on because April's like threatening all of them. It's just, it's, it's hilarious. So after Donna and Joe say their vows and they have their dance and everything, Donna comes, you know, she says something to April. She's like, oh, you know, like you've been doing a great job, but I, I, I do kind of wish there was a little bit of drama. And then sure enough, uh, you know, or, or not, not even yet, but April makes a face like, okay, like she, she has something in mind. Then later on, it is actually the, um, Oh, what did I, I get the email for it? Uh, the, the, not the cold clothes crap. I forgot it. Was it the tag? Was it the tag? It might be the tag. But anyway, in that scene, uh, Andy comes running in and he's like, he's like, Donna, look who's here. You're a strange brother, Lavandrius. And he's just standing there. I don't like, how did he even get in with no one seeing him? It's so good. But he's just standing right in the middle and he has something is on the floor next to him, just like a a, a big square, like a box, but it's wrapped up. And he's like, oh, hey, what's up, little sister? You know, thanks for, you know, you didn't invite me to your wedding. And she's she says something back to him. And then they cut back and all of a sudden he's like, oh, you still pissed off about the popcorn? And she's like, no, you broke the cut the popcorn machine or whatever. But so he picks up this giant box that's on the side and unzips it. And there is a microwave inside of it, like an old school microwave. And he's just like. He just tosses it and it explodes like just in a million pieces. The glass breaks everything. And he's like, now no one gets any popcorn. And then it's just, it's so amazing because they're so consistent in telling you how Donna's family is like the episode where she, she just has the quick, uh, I think they're called quick cuts. I'm learning a little more about the show, uh, listening to, uh, parks and recollection, a new podcast starring Rob Lowe and Alan Yang. Find it on Spotify. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so I, I am uh, finding or hearing more show lingo, I guess. So, so yeah, I think it is quick cuts, like the part where they show Donna, where she's giving the examples about like how terrible her family is. Like one of them, no more than uh, three, two or three Meagles can fly on an international flight at the same time. 
Um, her grandpa wrote her cousin out of his will because she forgot to use a coaster. Like just talking about how petty her family is. So I love that they just, they kept up with that for the whole episode. And then, yeah, because another, uh, at the rehearsal dinner the night before, two of her uncles or cousins, probably cousins, are arguing over who had high score on like the Donkey Kong or Pac-Man game or whatever. And then the other one unplugged it, I guess, right before the other one could, could beat his high score. So it's just, it's so good. And I just love the consistency there because obviously this was a full episode where you're supposed to see that Donna's family just doesn't get along and they're kind of, you know, they're angsty towards each other. But this was brought up so much earlier in like season three or four, whatever it was. So I, I just I, that was that was a great running joke, actually, just Donna's crazy family. So uh, moving on to number three, Will Forte, who plays Kelly Larson in season three, episode three, Time Capsule. So if you will recall, Will Forte, he comes into Leslie's office and <laughs> he has a great line where or well, first he tells her, he's like, hi, my name's Kelly Larson. I've been writing to you about the, the, you know, about the time capsule. And Leslie says, oh, I, I thought you'd be younger and a girl. And he's like, you know, with Will, Will, Will Forte's hilarious voice, he's like, well, no, I'm older and a boy. You know, just that wasn't a great one. But he's so in this episode, he comes in and he wants Pawnee is digging a time capsule. So they're trying to figure out what kind of stuff to put in there. He wants to put in a copy of the book Twilight. Which, when you watch the episode at first, it's like, okay, this just seems kind of like a, like, why did they pick, specifically pick the book Twilight? It was probably just very popular for its time. I should have done a deep dive to check. It wouldn't even be a deep dive. It would just be looking at when Twilight came out and seeing when this episode came out. But anyway, so you do find out, though, that he is trying to get this book in there because he has a kind of a strained relationship with his daughter because he and his wife are separated or they're divorced. And he thought that and his daughter's a huge Twilight fan. So he thought maybe getting the book in the time capsule would get her to like, you know, that would be like his redemption for the daughter to make her like him more than the mom. But anyway, so he comes in and he tells Leslie what he wants. She's like, no, I'm sorry. We're not putting that in. And then she like, it gets weird where he just keeps going with it. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Like when it gets to that, that means things got awkward. So he refuses to leave and ends up pulling a pair of a set of handcuffs out and just changed himself to uh, like a water pipe that's in Leslie's office. So <laughs> she's just like, you got to be kidding me, you know, but like, you know, how Leslie is just like, whatever, fine. Stay in my office. I don't care. She's like, you know, she thinks she's going to outlast him. And then she's doing the talking head work to, to us telling us, well, oh, he's not going to be able to last that long. He's going to have to go to the bathroom at some point. And then you see him pulling out like a little bucket or a jar or no, no. She says something about how he's going to have to eat. And then he pulls a lunch bag out. But then like the next morning, there's there's an implication that he peed in the office. And also what's funny is that when Leslie comes in the next day, he's chained to a different pipe. So he's got the key on him, which they can probably get from him. But I think it's Leslie Moore just like, you know what? I'm not even going to waste my time with this guy. I'm going to let him sit here. And I think they make a joke or Ron says something like we don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> you know, and it's um, clearly it's not that big a deal what he's doing, but he is. They bring one of the security guards in from City Hall and he's like, oh, you, you think I'm going to get scared of your jackbooted stormtroopers? And they show the guy and he's like an 80 year old man. And he's just like, huh? you know, so. He is also very funny. Uh, 
in the episode because he gets Tom hooked on Twilight. And he also, when they're at the, the when he finally unhooks himself and they go to the, because Leslie figures figures the whole thing out because she actually just looks in the book he's trying to give to her. And right in the, in the opening, it says to uh, Catherine or whatever. And then she puts two and two together and she's like, this is your daughter's book, isn't it? And then he explains, you know, what he's trying to do. So Leslie kind of reasons with him a little bit. She's like, all right, well, let's let's go to this town hall meeting and let's see what happens. So he's very funny in that scene, too, because he he wants his Twilight book so bad, but he's so against so many other people's like irrational ideas, probably because he just thinks, you know, like the guy Chance, the one that's always like, your daughter is an idiot. You're not that guy. He wants to put like his cat turn up or the ashes of his cat turn up. And he's like, no, we're not doing turn up. So I think he's insulted that these people want to put such stupid things in with twilight which is another stupid thing i don't mean it like that i'm not judging the book i haven't read it i haven't seen the movies but <clears throat> something so like non-important as far as a time capsule that it's like we got to put twilight in so he's offended i think that anyone else wants to put this in with what he feels is a really really important uh entry into the time capsule so um yeah will forte loved you there bud number two andy samberg who plays carl lorthner in season two, episode 19, Park Safety. So Carl is a member of the park's security. Uh, uh, he's a park ranger. So he's, uh, yeah, he's a member of the Pawnee Park Security. Uh, I, I don't know, regiment? I don't know, whatever. Um, he is a huge fan of uh, Avatar. He's extremely loud. He is the one who actually sees Jerry which it, it almost becomes a scandal, but they're they're able to uh, kind of get him not, you know, to, to stay quiet. Jerry claims in this episode, the episode uh, Park Safety, so what I'm talking about, obviously, Jerry claims to have been mugged when he was, uh, he was supposed to be refilling the, the hummingbird feeders, and he comes in with a broken arm, or he they show up at the hospital, and he says he was mugged, and then you find out that Carl excuse me, Carl Lorthner, he actually has footage of what actually happened to Jerry, which was him bending over to pick up a burrito that he dropped and then falling into the creek and smacking his shoulder, dislocating it. So, um, yeah, so he actually has that information kind of tucked away. And it's, it's a little, it's almost a little sad, actually, because like, you know that his character knows people don't really like him. And that's why he's kind of holding this on Leslie. He's like, well, you know, like you, you guys think I'm a joke and everything and then, and she, yeah, she sits, she's able to talk with him and just be like, you know what, please, can you please not show everyone what, you know? So in the end, he's cool with her. You know, he, he ends up not showing it, but he's, like I said, he is extremely loud. So here's his intro. Leslie, no. <laughs> hey, girl. What's up, pencil pushers? Haverford, good to see you, man. <laughs> Is it hot in here? I feel hot. Are you guys hot? How you guys doing? I'm good. You guys got any snacks? Carl is the head of all outdoor security. Why was he transferred from his indoor desk job, you ask? Listen. Hey, have you seen Avatar? I never saw Avatar. I wanted to read the book first, but then I realized there's no... And that is Tom opening and closing a door. So that's why his voice got louder. But yeah, I've, I've talked about him before on the cast about specifically about Avatar. 
so <clears throat> yeah, he 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 mentions Avatar numerous times on this episode, and then Parks and Rec mentions Avatar numerous times throughout its uh, series. But yeah, I uh, Anna, uh, Andy Samberg obviously has gone on to do pretty well for himself. He's uh, you know he, he was he was the lead on Brooklyn Nine Nine, which was a very successful show. Also created by Michael Schur and Greg Daniels. Um, and um, yeah, he is also the the part of a three. I don't know what I would call them. I guess they're like a rap group, but they're also kind of like a comedy team called the the Lonely Island. And that's Andy Samberg. Is it Yorma Takone or, or Jorma? I think it's Yorma. And he actually plays Roscoe Santangelo in Parks and Rec. He's in a few episodes, so he plays the head of Grizzle. And then the other, uh, the third is Akiva Schaefer, who I looked him up and I thought maybe he would have had at least something to do with Parks and Rec, but I couldn't find him on anything major, at least like directing, writing, producing, starring. And so, but the other two are uh, are definitely in there, Andy Samberg and uh, Yorma Takone. So, and I'm probably saying Takone wrong, like Cajone. <laughs> uh, finally... Actually, you know what? Before I get to my finally number one, I'm going to give a couple honorable mentions because this list was just too long for me to only pick 10 that I really, really liked. So uh, Paula Pell, not Paul LaPell, Paula Pell. She plays Tammy Zero, who, of course, is Ron's mom in the uh, episode season four, episode two, Ron and Tammy's. I really like Paula Pell in... In the show AP Bio, she plays the administrative assistant to the principal. And she is just, it's funny too, because when you when you watch like AP Bio or she's on that show, it's on Peacock, Girls 5 Eva. I haven't seen the show. I just know she's on it because I've seen her in the trailers. But she looks so much older and like more grizzled and like kind of like haggard as Ron's mom, because, you know, she's supposed to be playing that character, but she's actually like, she's a very, like, she's an, you know, an attractive older woman. Like she's, she's very, and she's very funny. She's absolutely hysterical. So I loved, um, and I didn't know, I, you know, I wasn't a fan of her at first when I, when I first saw her as Ron's mom, but then when I started watching AP bio and it's like, I think I looked her up cause she looked familiar and it was like, Oh my God, that's Ron's mom. So it's pretty funny. Like they made her look a lot older and like, just like kind of more run down when she was actually younger at that point. Uh, the next one is Fred Armisen, who I just put down Raul because his name is extremely long and I would probably miss mispronounce it. Season two, episode five, sister city. This is one of the most popular uh, guest appearances, but as I've said, probably my least favorite episode because of his appearance I'm not going to lie. He is hysterical. Like I, I, they, they did a great job, like kind of villainizing him, but also just making him so hilarious. However, I, for me though, I just, I get really awkward and like cringy situations and whatnot. And this whole episode with him, that's kind of what this is. So I always just kind of take it like I'm defending Leslie almost It's like, Oh my God. like, But he has the famous clip, and this is when, again, I said Sister City, so this is when him and a few of the other uh, Colombians, I'm sorry, not Colombians, Venezuelans, they come to Pawnee, and they're just kind of like, you know, just kind of trying to share each other's culture with, you know, each other, and he just ends up being like a really pompous asshole. 
he's he's throwing money at Tom, which is cool for Tom, and Tom knows he's being degraded, but it's like he's getting tons of cash. So he has the really funny scene where he, it's the again quick cut. Is that what ah quick take jump cut quick to eh, anyway, where he's going through and he's talking about all the different ways or all the reasons you could go to jail in Venezuela. And it's just, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. So, you know what? I'll play it real quick. This is outrageous. Where are the armed men who come in to take the protesters away? Where are they? This kind of behavior is never tolerating in Boracua. You shout like that, they, they put you in jail right away. No trial, no, no nothing. Journalists, we have a special jail for journalists. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow, jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters, glasses. You write to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. We have the best patients in the world because of jail. Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, just that, that that scene right there alone uh, is, is a very popular scene. It is very 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 funny so next up bo burnham playing chip mccap and this is probably a very like almost a forgotten one because i do feel season six and seven just don't get the same kind of love that the rest of the series season seven for the right reasons just because it's not very good it's got some good episodes but overall not very good i love season six still but Bo Burnham, uh, he actually, he's, I know nothing about this guy. I, I just know that he, like, I know when he was on Parks and Rec, I looked it up and it's like, okay, he's a country singer. But he had like a Netflix special. I don't know what it was, but it looked, it looked a little strange. So I, and I don't care to watch it. I have no interest in watching it. But anyway, he played Chip McCap, who they were trying to get to play the, uh, the Unity concert. And this kid was just like a spoiled little asswipe. <laughs> I, I love, though, that his dad's name is Skip. So there's Chip McCap and then uh, Skip. And he's just like a total dick to his dad. He's shooting paintballs at him because he's not getting the right. Uh, he's not bringing out the, the right. Or he's like, I want a turkey, you dumbass, instead of ham. Oh, we're out of ham. And he's like, oh, well, maybe I'll call mom to do it. You know, like because his, his parents are divorced, of course. And his dad's like his manager who just does everything to try to like keep him happy. So again, he's like shooting paintballs at him and Leslie and uh, Andy are basically just like, screw you, man. But one of the things I love the most about uh, Chip McCap when they play a couple of his songs, they're like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say like every country song, but they're not even just country song, but like the like America songs that like they have to somehow talk about war or the troops when the song has nothing to do with that. So in this one, the song is called cute. And then in parentheses, and it's like, like my mom. And it's like, they're singing this song and it's like, she don't like that and stuff about women. And then it's like, <clears throat> get home safely troops. You know, and he does like a nod. It's like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? So it's actually really funny. Yeah. It's just like, you bring the girls, I'll bring the beer and the troops will bring the freedom. <laughs> you know, It's like, what? So uh, yeah, but they, they just they did a great job kind of satirizing that what I feel is like, yeah, that kind of genre of music that it's just like so pro-American that it's like, what are we even talking about here? Um, uh, the next honorable mention, Rachel Dratch, 
who is a big, big collaborator with Amy Poehler. Obviously, she's been on SNL and she's in a lot of uh, Amy Poehler's, you know, I don't mean to say like she's like a lackey or anything, but they do work together a lot. She's only in one episode here. She is the babysitter. Roz Pinwheel is her full name on the show. And she's in the episode, uh, season seven, episode seven. Don and Joe, she is watching over Leslie and Ben's triplets and she's kind of losing her mind. But I just love that they keep showing her pop up and she's like, okay, uh, not like the the one time she's just completely soaked. She's like, uh, all the kids got out at one point and now they're, da, da, da. and you just hear like crashing in the background and everything. And Ben and Leslie don't even care because they're just like, we have a, we have a babysitter. We're out of here in 10 minutes, whatever. So I, I love that um, she was able to at least appear in one episode here because come to think of it, kind of watching the rest of the series, it's like, wow, I'm surprised Rachel Dratch wasn't in more episodes. And finally, uh, Michelle Obama. This one was just, this was another like, wow, just like it was, it was a good poll. And I love that they, um, this was, this wasn't like the Joe Biden thing because she didn't, you know, she talked about Michelle Obama a couple of times. But just just the fact that she got when when Leslie gets to meet her idols and I know like a lot of people are going to hear this and be like, oh, F that, you know, like F Obama, whatever. I, this doesn't need to get political. I just under the circumstances of the show and how much Leslie loves Michelle Obama. It's awesome that she just kind of comes out of nowhere. So I thought the Michelle Obama um, kind of guest spot at the uh, in the last episode of season six was awesome. Okay, and then coming in at number one, this actually is more of a personal favorite. I've mentioned it before, and that is Dax Shepard playing Hank Muntock in the episode, uh, season seven, episode five, Grizzlebox. So he plays the, like the, I don't know, the manager of uh, the TV station that Andy's Johnny Karate show airs on. So in this episode, Tom becomes Andy's kind of agent and Andy's talking about how he's not really making enough money or actually, no, I think he just has his contract with him. And he he asks Tom, he's like, Hey, can you just do me a favor and look over this and just kind of see if there's anything maybe, which again, I've talked about it numerous times, how it doesn't make sense. This whole situation here, because you do, you do feel like April would have been looking out for his best interests and would have, wouldn't, would have never letting it got to the point here where Andy is like the custodian he uh, picks everyone up and drops everyone else off. He writes, directs, and you know all this stuff for the episode, and he gets paid like a hundred bucks a week. So, so Tom notices in this. Tom notices this, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, let's go check it out." So they go and talk to Hank Muntock, who this guy is like he's he's like hot shit and Pawnee or wherever the heck they are. But I one of my favorite lines is uh, this one here with him. He's making the biggest mistake of his life. He's walking out on Hank Montauk. I have six lower Great Lakes Emmy Awards. I once sat in the original Batmobile. James Woods follows my niece on Twitter. Yeah. So that's after Andy tells him, basically, if you don't change my contract, I'm going to walk. So I just love the confidence there. And then the fact that, yeah, James Woods follows my niece on Twitter. That's how popular he is, that his wife is followed by James Woods. I love that James Woods has become like a punchline in so many TV shows, like in Family Guy. Actually, I think he plays himself in Family Guy. So he's in on the joke, but it's so pretty funny. Um, and then uh, the also uh, the thing I like about this uh 
this appearance by Dax Shepard is that this is another uh, celebrity couple that we have had in Parks and Recreation. He, of course, is married to Kristen Bell, who plays Ingrid DeForest, which is the Eagletonian woman who takes over Leslie's seat on uh, city council. And also everyone in the world knows who Kristen Bell is because she's in Frozen and The Good Place. And she's just an awesome actor, and I love her. She's great. So anyway, that is my list of the top 10, in my opinion, with some honorable mentions. Uh, the one-off guests, the the characters that were only in one episode and no more. They may have been mentioned in a couple others, but they only appeared in one. And that's actually going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Remember, if you'd like to contact the show, citizensofpawnee at gmail.com is how you can reach me. You can also like and follow on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard wherever you get your podcast now. Please subscribe if you haven't already. So again, thank you for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll see you at the newly reopened and renovated Mulligan Steakhouse next Wednesday. Jerry's birthday is February 29th, leap year day.